If you have your Bibles, grab those. Flip over to Luke chapter two. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the row in front of you. Uh, It will not be on the screen today. So if you wanna read along, you're gonna have to get the Bible out. If you don't own a Bible, Merry Christmas. That's our gift to you. Take it home and read it. Devour it. Don't just read it to read it, but read it to hear from it. Read it to know it. Read it to be spoken to by the Lord our God. So we are, we're five weeks into a series um, through the book of Luke, and we'll do it for as long as we need to. And we started out talking about the purpose of the book, why Luke wrote it. Luke wrote it to this man, we're not sure who this man is, but his name is Theophilus, and Luke being a second generation believer, not a person who saw things happen, like Matthew, Matthew is the eyewitness gospel. Uh, Mark is, is the gospel uh, that has kind of taken prominence over Matthew. But Luke is the thorough gospel. Luke is the gospel trying to communicate something for a specific purpose. Who was this Jesus? What did he do? And who did he come to do it for? And so as we read these passages, what we can hear over and over again is maybe a conversation that's happening as Luke is is writing to Theophilus. It may be in this moment where they were actually having this conversation. And so the next set of verses, there where the Lord tells Mary and he tells Zachariah and Elizabeth that they're gonna have kids. And what what we can hear him saying is, listen, Theophilus, how you receive the message from God is important. Listen, listen, Theophilus, if you hear from God and take God at his word, then God does this. And we see the blessing that comes on Mary. And, and what we see is, listen, Theophilus, listen, be careful. When the Lord God speaks to you, be careful to listen and to believe, because if we listen to God when he is speaking to us and we don't believe, then he shuts the mouth of Zechariah. And he he says, listen, you're gonna believe me. Time will tell, but you will believe me because I am God and I do what I say. So listen, Theophilus. And then what we see in the next two weeks of our study, we see the response of these people. So Mary immediately goes to visit her, her cousin. And we see this song where she blesses and magnifies the Lord, where she, where she tells of the things that God has done. And we can hear Theophilus saying, listen. Or we can hear Luke saying to Theophilus, listen, Theophilus, this is what you need to know. God has a pattern. God has promises. And God has a story that he's been telling in the Old Testament scriptures, and they are important. Because those promises, those stories, that pattern, all points us to Jesus. And this is the song. So listen, listen, Theophilus, when you sing the song of God, be sure that it is informed by the scriptures. And then we see the next week where Zechariah says, yeah, his name's gonna be called John. Even though he's supposed to be called Zachariah, and it's a family tradition, you take the name of your father. And, and Elizabeth says, no, we're going to call him John. And everybody looks around like, wait, what? 
Uh, his name's Zachariah. We, we all know this, right? And, uh, well, we're going to call him John because that's what God told him to call. And everybody looks to the man, which clearly culture was different back then than it is now, right? Because, right? Yeah. Because Zachariah did what every man these days would have done, right? Are you sure your wife is right? Yep, yep, she's right. Boy, boy's name is John, right? Boy's name is John, not Zacharias. No, right? Immediately his mouth is opened. Immediately his mouth is opened and he then sings this song of worship and praise to God. And you can hear Luke in this conversation saying, listen, Theophilus, when you don't believe but are drawn into belief, you will have a song to sing to which reminds us that we don't always have to be perfect and faithful. When we hear the word of God, what we do with it is not the end of the story. But when we hear it and are moved by it, then God moves toward us. And when we hear it and are not moved by it, then God moves with us until we believe the word that he said. All right? So now here we are, this second generation believer, this guy who didn't see it for himself, is now going to tell us of the birth of Christ. And he's gonna point us to some really important things. So let's read real quickly what we just read with the kiddos. We'll start in, in chapter two, verses one. We'll go one through seven. It says, in those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the world should be registered. Rome rules the world here. And the first, this is the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth in Judah to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. And Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem because Micah chapter 5 verse 2 tells us that our salvation will come from Bethlehem. And so this census is important because it takes Jesus from a town where he cannot be born from to fulfill the promises of God to the town where he must be born from. Also, so we spent 25 weeks studying the book of Daniel. Remember in Daniel chapter seven, Daniel is given all these visions and it's about these kingdoms that will rise and these kingdoms will fall and the last kingdom that we talked about was Rome. This is the beginning of the Roman rule of the world. This is important because it ties us back to this picture that this Jesus will Shoulder the load of all governments. Kingdoms will rise and kingdoms will fall, but back to the vision that Nebuchadnezzar got back in chapter two. A stone cut out of the mountain by no human hands will bring all the kingdoms of earth to dust. And so this right here is the beginning of that final chapter there in the kingdoms rising and kingdoms falling before the kingdom of heaven enters in and carries us all. So, and Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judah, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, time came to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn, wrapped him in swaddling, swaddling clothes, laid him, in a man, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. So, Jesus was born just like the angel told Mary, right? Just like his cousin was born a few months before him, 
Jesus was born. You guys remember that? Remember that? The kiddos remember that because they just heard the story. So let's, let's track real quickly. Rome now rules the world just like God told Daniel. Jesus born in Bethlehem just like God told Micah answering this picture of Mary's song where she echoes this prayer of Hannah where she sings out God is exalted, he is magnified because she knows that her son is set out to be a great and merciful high priest. Just like Hannah gives her son Samuel to be raised so that he will become a priest one day. Just the promise of having a child. So she's acquainted with the scriptures. She knows the promises. She knows the pattern of God. She knows the histories that are in there. Jesus comes saying, I haven't forgotten my promises. I haven't forgotten my pattern and I haven't forgotten you. It's interesting as we think about this Christmas story from the viewpoint of a a second generation believer and how it's not all focused on just the the birth. It's not focused on, we we don't see much talk about not finding enough room in the end. There's just a, a brief little sentence. You see Matthew's viewpoint was one of firsthand. Jesus can tell of his birth and he can tell you the stories that he was told. But what we see Luke telling is the beginning of three different stories. And we're gonna see those over the next few weeks through, through the rest of chapter two where he tells us the story of these heavenly messages from different sorts of messengers. The angels, a priest or a, a prophet and then a boy, Jesus himself. And so today, we're gonna take a look at the first of these messages. We're gonna see who the angels, who the messengers declare this Jesus to be, and we're gonna see who that declaration is, and we are going to be encouraged in that. You ready? Here we go. I gotta psych myself up. If you're new with us, the longer I read out loud, the lower my reading level gets. Also, it's because I write a lot in my Bible and I can't read the words. That's what I tell myself to make myself feel better after you leave. Here we go, starting in verse eight. It says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. In my Bible, I have the word Savior, I have the word Christ, and I have the two words, the Lord, circled. I encourage you to do so. We're gonna talk about what that means. And this will be a sign for you that you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was an angelic multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that was told to them concerning the child. 
And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherd returned, glorifying and praising God with all their heart and all they had seen and all that they'd been told. And at the end of eight days, he was, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name that was given by the angel before he was born. So the angel told Mary to name her son Jesus. Jesus means the Lord God saves or the Lord is salvation. It's really important because Jesus wasn't the first Jesus on the planet. This wasn't a brand new name. Jesus was one of many Jesuses. But Jesus was different because all of these other people were naming their kids in a belief of who God was, in a belief of what God would do. This Jesus was born as the God who saves. Right, so what we see is these other people had faith that there was a God who saved, and I will name my child. Right? Remember a few weeks ago when we had our family dedication, Vince and Teresa have named their son Precious One Who Follows After because they have this belief in who God is and the gifts that he gives, and his son, their son is a gift from God just like Jesus was a gift from God. And their prayer for him is that by giving him the name James, that he would be one who follows after Jesus all the days of his life. Right, so Jesus being named the Lord God is salvation. He himself is this salvation. So the shepherd out in the field keeping watch over their flock and the angel appeared to them. And he shone around them and they were filled with great fear and the angel said to them, Fear not. Angel appears to Mary, and what does he say? Don't be afraid. This is good for you. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. We talked about a few weeks ago. Actually, we've talked about every week for the last several weeks. God has been silent in speaking to his people for 400 years. 400 years. So God has been speaking to his people for thousands of years. And then he comes to this time where God no longer speaks to his people as a whole. He comes and he speaks through an angel to Elizabeth. He comes and he speaks to Mary through an angel. But here, for the first time, we see the angel speaking a word that is for all men again. The reason that this is such a glorious celebration is because God is no longer silent. God is no longer distant, but God is now ready. Time is now ready. Mankind is now ready for the word of the Lord to enter back into the picture, which is why John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word was with God in the beginning, and that word came to be the light of men. Jesus not only came because of the word of the Lord, but he came as the word of the Lord. So Jesus is the salvation of the Lord, because Jesus is, we will see in a minute, the Lord. And he is the word of the Lord, saying that God is now ready to speak with his people. God is now ready to rescue and redeem his people. God is now ready to bring his people back to himself. 
So then he says this, for unto you is born in the city of David, which we already talked about as Bethlehem, a savior who is Christ the Lord. I told you I've circled these words. Savior means rescues from sin. Jesus comes by name as savior, not by human name, not by people's declaration, but a declaration of God through the angels that this child that you will find over here rescues from sin. And he is Christ, which is the same word as the Hebrew word for Messiah or anointed one. So this is the savior, the one who rescues from sin, the anointed one. Jesus is the one we've been waiting for, which Mary sung of, sang of, singed it of, singed it. That's how my kids, my kids would say singed it. So Mary is the one or Jesus is the one that Mary had singed it of, sang it of, whatever. He is the anointed one, and he is the Lord. He is over all. The term Lord has been used many times in many ways throughout history. The Lord of the house, which means the, the master of the house, the one who controls the comings and goings, the doings and the whatsings and the pronunciation of the word singed, right? I teach my kids how to say words and they teach me how to sing words. Jesus, the anointed one who rescues from sin is not just the Lord of an individual household. He's not just the Lord, the master, the ruler over one particular nation or group of people. But we see he is the Lord over all. Most, most of the time, these messages would have been delivered to people of provenance. Right? So think of Daniel. In the beginning, Daniel is moved into the king's court because of his intellect, because of the way he looks, because of who he was. And because he had reached this position, the Lord speaks to him and gives him words so that he can interpret dreams. But Daniel was, he wasn't, he wasn't the bottom of, of the rung down here, but he was the best of the best. What movie is that? The best of the best of the best, the best, sir. Men in Black, thank you. That is. I love that, that part where the guy stands up, the best of the best of the best, sir. And then Will Smith making fun of him. Best of the best, best, sir. But up until this point, God spoke to the best of the best of the best of the best. But here, now, the rescuer, the anointed one, the master, the ruler, is delivering his message to the lowest, to the humblest, to the outcast, to the guy who wasn't quite smart enough to get a real job, like me. He now speaks to the humble. He speaks to the broken down. So the message, the word of God of rescue and salvation, the message of God that the anointed one has come to rule over it all. The answer to the prophecy that all governments will rest on his shoulders is now delivered to not the best of the best of the best, sir. 
but people who are broken down like you and me. People who are in need of elevation. People who have no path forward, right? Because of who mom and dad were, the shepherd did not have much of a future. There was no, because of who my parents were, I can achieve, I can become. But for them, it was because of who my parents were, I'm stuck with. And Jesus now announces salvation to those of us who because of whom our parents were, we were stuck. Remember John chapter eight tells us that we are of our father, the devil, who does nothing but lie and steal because that is his character. And so you and I, born with no hope, no future, no anything that can be achieved because of our lineage, because, because of our intellect, because of, our, because of your strength, because of your manliness or your womanliness or my sissiness. None of that gets you anything because you, by nature, by cause of your character, don't do anything on your own but lie and steal. And Jesus comes to announce that you, you out here with nothing, with no hope of ever climbing a ladder to success can now have success offered to you freely by the anointed one who rescues from sin. He is the master and Lord over all. So Luke, Luke being this second generation believer, being this one who did not have the privilege of seeing Jesus and Luke also being a Gentile himself, a person outside of the royal lineage, the person outside of the family of Abraham, the chosen ones who had no way into the promise of Abraham is now granted unto you is born a savior who is Christ the Lord. So it's an announcement that the lowly and the humble can now come for rescue. But it's also an announcement that those of you who find yourself outside of the right bloodline can now come in and be adopted in sons and daughters of the most high God. And what we see is that this announcement from the angels will now frame for us the rest of Luke's message to Theophilus. So what he's saying is, here, listen, Theophilus, I want you to hear this. The savior of the world was born just like he was told, and here, here's seven verses on that, but listen, Theophilus, what I want you to hear in these other 14 verses is that you who are outside, you who are lowly, you who are sinful, can now come in through this one. And what I'm going to do is now tell you story after story after story of a God who comes to a woman caught in sin. A God who comes and tells us the story of a Samaritan, an outsider, who shows the kindness and mercy and healing that is offered. Come and show you a story of a son who runs off, squanders his wealth, and comes back and begs his dad for a job. 
And his dad says, there's no job for you because you are a son. Here's my ring. Here's my coat. A son who was outside is now being welcomed inside. But he also tells us the story of an older brother who was inside, who was self-righteous, who thought that he had the birthright. He thought that he had the righteousness. He thought that he had inside of himself everything that he needed. So listen, Theophilus, the rest of the story I'm going to tell you is about a God who comes to those who don't deserve it and brings them into a family and loves them not as his own, but loves them because they are his own. And that's what we celebrate here at Christmas time. Not presents around a tree, not hot cocoa and caroling. And there's nothing wrong with hot cocoa and caroling. We had hot cocoa at our house last night. Well, they did. I can't drink milk. Let's take a moment to weep for that. The other day, I had to stop in at the store and I really wanted chocolate milk, which I can't drink. Uh, so I bought a half a gallon of chocolate milk uh, and I watched my kids drink it and enjoyed that through that. There's no point to that story. I just wanted you to know chocolate milk is delicious and yummy. Jesus came born in our nature so that he could die our death. And so I think it is fitting before we go out as we celebrate the birth of Jesus as the family of God that we come to the table, that we taste of the body of this child who was born in our nature to die our death. And we drink in his blood so that those of us who are outside, so that those of us who had no path forward can now receive a path forward through our Savior, who is Christ the Lord. We have this path forward through the anointed, rescuing one who is master and Lord of all. And so, Ed is gonna come back to the piano and he's going to play for us Silent Night as you and I worship in our minds, as we are reminded of the things that God has done. And when you're ready, come to the table. Feast on the body of Christ that was broken to set you free. Drink in the cup of salvation that was shed to wash you white. And thank God that at the right time he sent his son, like he says there in Galatians chapter four, at the right time God sent his son to be born under, of a woman under the law so that he might redeem those who were under the law. So when you're ready, come to the table, feast on the body and the blood of Christ.